Hello, this is Aaron Sims, and welcome again to my podcast. Uh, this time, I thought I would talk about an article I wrote on my um, on my website called "The Luxuries of a Church at Ease" or "A Call for Christian Unity." And what prompted this was really a, a book club I've been a part of the last few weeks, uh, where we've been reading C.S. Lewis's "Mere Christianity." That kind of combined with a few other things, but it got me thinking. And and to give some context. Lewis, in the preface of his book, talks about the fact that his intent is not to talk about Christian denominations or differences among the denominations. Instead, what he wants to do is provide an explanation of what he calls mere Christianity. Um, And what he means by that is the things held in common among all Christians. And uh, and Chesterton's got a similar aim in his book, Orthodoxy, as well, uh, where, where Chesterton uses the Apostles' Creed as kind of his baseline of the faith. And, and the point being that certain Christian groups and denominations may emphasize various parts of the faith more than others. Some may even disagree with each other in certain areas. But there is a certain set of beliefs, core beliefs, that are held in common by Christians. And it's these core beliefs that actually mark us out as, as Christian. And uh, Lewis's point is that when we talk with non-believers, if we dive right into things like denominational differences or kind of spats within denominations or spats we have within the wider church, all that does is tend to drive uh, people away from the faith. Um, and he, his point is it's much better to discuss this mere Christianity of the creed first and, and to and to introduce people to the Christian faith with the creed um, and with the common things that we all have in common. And he compares the experience of coming to faith with being brought into a, into a hall with many doors. Uh, once you've entered into the hall, that is to say the, the faith confessed by the creed, then you can go explore the various rooms, that is to say the, the denominations. And, and as you explore those rooms, you're looking to see which, which group um, possesses the teachings which you think are most true. And, and then eventually you find one. And the point is you can't bring someone into a room if you haven't first brought them into the hall. And so um, to dive right into the finer points of doctrine or differences among denominations when we're evangelizing someone isn't, isn't all that helpful. Um, and another kind of related point Lewis makes is that we're not meant to... Um, linger in the hall forever. We're meant to enter in the hall, um, kind of enter into the faith, uh, the main points, and then we're meant to grow in the faith and to learn more, and eventually we will enter into one of those rooms. And in reading all this from Lewis, I, I, I personally found it very helpful, um, particularly his analogy of the hall and the doors. And I think as Christians, what I've seen, um, and I'm guilty of this too, is that we often focus a lot amount of time and, and effort and energy on differences among our denominations and arguing with one another and disagreeing with each other and getting in debates. And sometimes this manifests itself in the false belief that only my denomination is the church, um, the one church, and everyone else is somehow this um, you know, massive heretic who is, is not going to be saved. And other times, it manifests itself as a desire to be non-denominational, to somehow remove yourself from these sorts of debates. Um, But I would argue, though, that even non-denominational churches are, in fact, a denomination of sorts. That is to say, they they also have their own unique emphasis on the faith, even if there's no 
formal organization linking all these non-denom churches together. And um, having said all that, as a pastor in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, of course, I prefer the door in the hall that's labeled LCMS, Lutheran uh, Church, Missouri Synod. And, but there's other people who prefer the door that says Baptist, others Roman Catholic, others Methodist, others Presbyterian, and that's, that's all fine. Each, uh, each denomination provides its own particular emphasis to the faith, which I think ends up adding to the tapestry, if you will, of the wider church. And we can all learn from each other. We can have discussions with one another. We can debate one another in a spirit of Christian brotherhood and, and sisterhood. Um, and, and sometimes I think we as the, the church, we seem so focused on maintaining our doctrinal purity or other forms of purity that we needlessly create or fester further divisions within the church to the point that it can even seem that we're closer to non-believers than to fellow believers. And I've seen many Christians, frankly, being downright unchristian, sometimes even nasty towards those with whom they disagree on some social or theological Issue And it's fine to disagree, it's fine to debate, but I, I would hope we could do so respectfully, particularly to those within the, the body of Christ. And uh, related to that is, um, I think it would be helpful to actually listen clearly to what the other side, so to speak, really believes, rather than attacking a straw man. Um, recently, for instance, I found myself in the odd position, uh, I think, of trying to explain and, in a sense, defend Roman Catholic belief in certain areas to non-Catholics because because they're attacking a belief which Catholics do not actually hold. And there's there's no way to come to a common understanding if you, if you, if you keep attacking a belief that the other side doesn't actually have. And so if we're, if we're going to debate one another, we should at least debate the actual beliefs we have, not the beliefs we think the other side has. We should talk to them and find out what they really believe before we we argue with them about it. <laughs> so, um, And I also think that we should learn to value the diversity within the church and work better with one another within the Orthodox faith, uh, faith excuse me, and, and trying to recognize that we're all rooms attached to the same hall. And, uh, and all this really got me wondering that if these sorts of intra-church arguments, um, if they're not the luxury of a church was, which isn't being persecuted, and what I mean by that is, in, at least in, in the West and in the United States, the church is not really being persecuted. There's, there's some tough things um, that it goes through, that we go through sometimes, but the fact that we're not being persecuted kind of allows us to engage in these in these arguments uh, amongst ourselves. And I'm wondering if increased persecution that is probably coming will cause the church to see herself as, as truly one, as one body in Christ, or will some within the church try to work with secular authority to punish those uh, within the church with whom they disagree? And this makes me think of World War II and the years prior to and, and right after it. Um, before the war, there was a, a Christian ecumenical movement that started to gain a lot of steam, and you had people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the, the Lutheran uh, German pastor, uh, who worked with many uh, many people within other denominations trying to emphasize Christian unity to combat a common evil, that is the, the fascism and Nazism. And after the war, the church continued its efforts at achieving uh, unity. Um, but oftentimes, though, the emphasis in these efforts is on achieving doctrinal unity or, or sometimes on f- effectively papering over 
doctrinal differences to try to pretend that there is unity in doctrine when there there isn't really. And this can cause um, consternation among those who recognize that there isn't really unity in doctrine uh, among those who claim there is. And it can also cause denominations to start to lose their special emphasis and uniqueness and gifts to the wider church. So I'm wondering if we, if we can start to think about it in a different way. What if we accept the fact that there will be differences in doctrine within the body of Christ on, on things that are not part of the core um, faith, the core creedal faith, and we agree to love one another and work with one another in spite of those differences? And what if we focus on learning from one another rather than having our first point of conversation being an attempt to convince each other of the correctness of our own positions? And what if we take as our first assumption also that other Christians are, are also part of the one holy apostolic church and that though we may all err in certain matters and we may all disagree in certain areas, we're part of the body of Christ and we, and we will all stand together before him at the resurrection. And could we then focus on evangelizing those outside the church and bringing them into this body, at least getting them into the hall and then, and then helping them find the room that's for them? And, uh, and, and maybe the, the upcoming 500th anniversary of the Reformation is a good time to start having these discussions. Because throughout the, the wider church, people are celebrating the Reformation, even Roman Catholics, because there's a recognition that Luther helped reform many false beliefs and practices of the church. And so the irony is that while the Reformation, which Luther sparked, caused the emergence of, of, of this great many uh, Christian denominations, the celebration of its anniversary is actually causing Christians to appreciate just how much we all have in common. And I hope hope we can uh, carry those uh, those thoughts and feelings forward. So anyway, thanks for, for listening, and uh, God bless.